It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And Franserve, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at Franserve.com. Now, here's your host, certified franchise consultant, Pamela Curry. Hello, this is Pamela Curry, franchise consultant for aspiring entrepreneurs looking to invest in a franchise that aligns for them, as well as the host of the Franchise Business Radio Show. Uh, As many of you know, the purpose of this show is it's a platform to bring together business professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Today, we have an excellent guest, a thought leader. Uh, and for any uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, I think you'll want to tune in and really get some great pieces of advice. Uh, on the uh, as a guest today, we have David Siegel, CEO of Meetup. David, welcome. Good to be here. I love connecting, educating, and collaborating. So I'm in the right place. You sure are, right? That's all comes together. David, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and how you became the CEO of Meetup? Okay, you have you know a few hours. We'll do this in thirty <laughs> yeah, so seconds. Two minutes, right? Uh-huh. So I was an early employee at one of the top largest um, internet companies back in the late nineties called DoubleClick. DoubleClick was actually acquired by Google for a couple of billion dollars, but it got me at age twenty-four years old to know a lot about the internet and to become like very digitally savvy. And very early in my career, so I was very lucky for that. And then I worked for a series of companies and executive positions at 1-800-Flowers, um, at a company called Everyday Health, then it, um, also as an executive. And then I became CEO of a company called Investopedia, which is the world's largest financial education site. And uh, that was my first CEO gig. Um, I was about 40 then. I uh, did that for four years. And the last four years, I've been the CEO of Meetup. Which was owned by WeWork and got acquired and got was and you know I got hired by Adam Newman and lots of interesting experiences there. Aside from that, I also teach entrepreneurship at Columbia University. Um, I got my class tomorrow, so each week uh, I teach in the fall semester. We're going to be covering the lean startup methodology, so super important. And I have a podcast called Keep Connected, and also I wrote a book that came out about six months ago called Decide and Conquer. So. You know, life's fun. I'm lucky. Well, that's why I'm excited to have you as a guest on this show, because I really want our listeners to hear what it means to be a business owner. How do I go about being a business owner and being a successful one? Uh, And decision making is a big piece of that. (laughs) Very much. Uh, Before we dive into that, would you please share what is the meetup story? Yeah. Okay. So 9-11 was not very long ago, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. And what most people don't realize is that 9-11 was actually the reason why Meetup exists today. So our founder, Scott Heiferman, was in New York City. And um, just like everyone in New York, in the United States, around the world, we were all just in a state of shock about kind of what happened. And he didn't want to be by himself. He could not just go back to his empty apartment and just sit there watching TV and seeing what happens. So like many of his people that lived in his apartment building, he went to the lobby and he saw everyone else was congregating in the lobby. He walked over to someone. He said, you know, 
do you live in the building? What floor do you live in? The person lived on the same floor. And he was like in shock that they never met. And he basically said to himself, how do I fix this? How can we build community? Not because of tragedy. How can we build community to connect people together, to get people who share common passions, whether it's reading romance novels or a cancer support group or people who love hiking or people who love photography, people who love tech or machine learning or whatever, people who love franchise businesses and small, medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurship. So he created Meetup um, right after 9-11 in order to build community uh, in positive ways, not out of tragedy. Wow, what a great story. Uh, And actually very timely, right? Uh, Just very... (laughs) Very, very timely. The world needs it. And today... We have 60 million members of Meetup in over 190 countries, every country, but I think North Korea. Um, and uh, we have 260,000 different communities around the world. So um, it's, it's, it's been a real uh, impact on people. Um, you know, President Obama um, wrote a book maybe six, 12 months ago, and he was going around the country talking about his book tour. And he said, the company that helped to put him on the map was actually Meetup. Because when he was running for senator in 2004, he announced that anyone who get a meetup group with 500 people or more in this entire state of Illinois, he's going to show up and he's going to talk to. And he went around from one meetup group to another meetup group to another meetup group, just kind of using our platform as a way to kind of build connections. And, and mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, many entrepreneurs have done the same. Absolutely. So you mentioned something earlier, des- uh, decide and conquer. Tell us about that. Sure. So I've always been like obsessed with decision making. And the reason why is because how many people do you know that just have so much trouble making decisions? You know, they, they let perfect be the enemy of the good. They, they don't want to be seen as a failure. So they don't want to fail. So sometimes they don't try and then they lose the opportunity but they, you know, they don't understand what something that Teddy Roosevelt had said, which is the best decisions are great decisions. The next best decisions are bad decisions. And the worst decision is no decision. But we all know so many entrepreneurs that are afraid of making a decision because they make a bad decision. Then they, and, and that's actually being the worst decision. So I became obsessed with this concept and decision-making generally and decision-making biases because we have so many different, different decision-making biases. And I could go into some if you're interested that um, that during the pandemic, I decided to write a book uh, kind of related to kind of leadership, decision making, and kind of the meetup story as, as part of WeWork and how we extract, extracted, were part of the WeWork culture and environment and then extracted ourselves from it. And uh, so far, so good. It's been a, a really awesome um, personal experience and being able to meet people who have read the book and find little ways in which it's helpful for them as entrepreneurs. Uh, so what exactly inspired you then to write, write the book? So big picture, I, I think that every person has been put on this world to have a positive impact on others. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have different strengths and superpowers. And like, Pam, one of your superpowers is as a journalist and as a host and as an interviewer and as a influencer. And you're now realizing that and helping out so many people. 
to realize their dreams and become entrepreneurs and small business owners. So for me, um, I felt like where one an area that I've studied my entire life in and is 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 been in kind of leadership um, and decision making and. I've unfortunately worked for a lot of leaders that were terrible. And I've had mentors that were just changed my life um, in different jobs that I've had. And I just want to kind of give back. And you don't make money. I'm not making, I don't make money by writing a book. Um, at the end of the day, like your hourly payment is probably like one penny per hour considering how much time <laughs> one puts into it, right? Um, I think much like, you know, I much like when I teach, I think that philanthropy is of money and it's also of time. And I think that when you're able to have thoughts that you can either teach others through oral or written, um, it's an opportunity to hopefully positively impact the world. So that's kind of why I wrote the book. I like that, that positive influencer, uh, for sure. Uh, and I know there are so many multiple pieces of advice that uh, you would be able to give to other leaders. Uh, and I don't mean to pigeonhole you, but can you pick one piece of advice that you would love to give to leaders out there? Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Know thyself. What do I mean? We all have, we're all highly imperfect. We all have many biases. Um, and when you're making a decision, you might have a bias around status quo bias, which means you're biased to keep things the way they are because the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. You may have recency bias, which is whatever just happened most recently is way overweighted in terms of kind of importance. You might have, you know, sunk cost bias, which is which is essentially the idea that, um, oh, I already put so much time into something, I got to put even more effort into it because I just, you know, spent two years in a relationship or I spent two years building this company. I can't extract myself from it. We all have different biases. Know thyself. Know what your biases are. Tell as many people that you surround yourself with of that you have this bias and ask them to help you to overcome that bias. So you make better and smarter decisions. Wow. Self-awareness, accountability, all being built into that. Uh, I get it. Uh, your book, it features 44 decisions that will make or break leaders. Why is decision making so critical in business? Yeah. So a couple of things. Number one is I think many leaders do one of two opposite extremes too often. One is either they they lead by democracy and they and and and, and full kind of consensus-based decision making, and they don't want to upset anyone else's opinion. The opinion takes forever. And almost always when you make a consensus-based decision, it's the wrong one because you kind of make everyone a little bit happy, a little bit unhappy. And then you're like, okay, everyone can live with this. Let's do it. That's one extreme. And then the opposite extreme is like the tyrannical leader, you know, whatever the Steve Jobs stereotype that's, I don't give an F what any of you say, <laughs> this is what we're doing. Come hell and high water. That's it. Boom. So I think if you want to lead in today's world, you need to both be able to have buy-in from people on your teams, but at the same time, you also have to understand that you, you build a team up and you say, I need you to disagree and commit. Because even if you disagree, 
we're not going to leave with just consensus. It's not going to be democracy and like that's how we make decisions. So ultimately, we're paid as leaders and just as even per people in our regular jobs, like to make decisions. We're making like hundreds of decisions in business and life every single day. And if there's principles that we could live by, then you know what? We'll hopefully do better jobs, but also be happier people. I'm like, who doesn't want to help people be happier, right? It's very important. And I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than not making a decision and just sitting in a limbo state. Oh, oh. Oh, it's horrible. You know, yeah. I, it's like, it's like, I don't care what you decide, choose left or choose right. right. Just, <laughs> I need to know because I think where a lot of people have anxiety, justifiably, is in ambiguity. Mm. And when and when there's ambiguity, um, you know, if an entrepreneur has a group of people working for them. And, and, and can't decide on what the business model needs to be or what location to expand to in terms of the next retail store or some process or procedure that they need to figure out. Everyone's stuck. And then what happens is most people, unfortunately, when they see gray, they see the negatives, not the positives. So in the absence of information where there's ambiguity, people will create their stories. And oftentimes their stories are not great stories. They're stories of concern. They're stories of like, why is, what's the worst thing that could potentially happen? And then just by choosing something, it ends up always being almost better than whatever the story that someone would have created is. So it's so important to make a fast decision. Good, good point. And that's not to say that as the business owner, you aren't going to run into challenges, right? Um, There are a lot of challenges that leaders run into. so let's go ahead. Let's let's go to the dark side a little bit. Uh, if you want to call it the dark side, I don't know. Uh, but what are some of the challenges leaders face? Again, this gets back to when starting a business. Sure. What are on, those that want to be business owners, entrepreneurs? What are some of the challenges they might be facing? Sure. So I think I got I can name a whole bunch, but number one is many entrepreneurs want to scale their businesses quickly because they may have just got an investment. They, they, there's pressure on them to grow, grow, grow and expand. And the reality is, is they may not have been able to figure out how their product is an amazing product. And a lot of times entrepreneurs that I know of, quote unquote, think that they have what's called product market fit, meaning that their product or service um, their new business is really interesting to many people and is, and a lot of people are excited about it. When in reality, and then they start scaling their business and opening up a second store and a third store or expanding to online in person, whatever, before they've actually figured it out. And the problem is that they do that because of outside pressure. And then things really start falling apart if you haven't actually figured out what the business is. So I would say to that entrepreneur, um, make sure that before you scale, you have confidence, not that you have the perfect product offering, you don't need that, but that you have a good enough product offering that you're going to retain your, your users and you're not going to kind of keep churning and losing, losing who your people are. And um, don't delude yourself into thinking that the business is in better shape than it is. That's one. Another one. Um, I mean, I could keep going, but I'll just do like two or three and then I'll shut up. Uh, another one would be like entrepreneurs oftentimes 
are so afraid of failing that they take, like we talked about earlier, too long to be able to do something because they see failure as something personal. If this thing that I just did fail means I'm a failure, I made a mistake that means what's wrong with me. And in reality, the goal of a startup is not succeeding, not. The goal of a startup is learning. That's the goal. And when you learn, you iterate and you change, and then you get a little bit better. And then you roll it out, you learn and you change the area and you keep getting a little better. And I, and I think that iterative process of learning happens faster, the quicker you make decisions and the faster you kind of roll out new products and services. What do you say to the person that says, well, honestly, the goal of uh, becoming a business owner is to make money? Of course. So the way in which you're going to make money is to develop a product that solves a problem and or, you know, or a pain point for potential you know customers and if you're not solving a problem then you know it could be that they can't access this amazing product because it's not in their area and as a, as a franchise you want to bring that to their area and that's a huge problem it could be that they have to use five different products to make something work and with your product or service they could do it all with one that's a great, but it's got to solve a problem. If you solve a problem, you will make money off of that problem. But understand that the best way to solve a problem is to make sure that you're um, roll, rolling it out. And then and then if you're solving a problem, you will figure out how to make money from it. But if money is your prime, like the best way to make money is actually to solve problems for, for as many different customers as possible, and you will make a lot of money. Point. Excellent point. So a lot of critical decision making that needs to go on as a business owner, as a leader. Uh, how can these critical decisions and frameworks really help business owners who are considering franchising? Sure. I think there's a lot of decisions that a so I used to oversee at one hundred flowers our franchise and our company owned stores business. So I, I know a, a quite a bit about, about that. And I'll give you some examples of major decisions that a franchisee needs to decide on. So number one is, do I want to um, pay, you know, do, do I want to become a franchisee or do I want to open up an independent store? That's first of all, mm-hmm. big question. What, is, what is, is the amount that I'm paying as a franchise fee, whatever that percentage happens to be, um, equal to the value that I'm receiving for the brand name, for the products, for the process, for the service, or not? That's kind of a second question. A third question, once you become a a franchisee, question, what location, let's say it's a brick and mortar location store, what location do I want to open this, this, this store? Is it worth it to spend more money and get a more prime location, or is it worth it to pull back and minimize my risk and get a little less of a great location um, and, and pay a little bit, bit less money. How big a store footprint, you know, again, in a brick and mortar store do I ultimately want, want to have? Um, there's just so many massive numbers of decisions that you need to make. And having a framework for making those decisions is really important. Like, you know, different principles, like, you know, in the framework, how do I understand my biases? How do I surround myself with people who disagree with me to be able to make smarter decisions? Because disagreement is one of the key components to decision making. You don't want to surround yourself by people who are just yes people, for example. 
want to have that exactly. If it's just a, you're moving in one direction, you're not getting that, uh, not getting outside the box too much. If everyone's in the same box, let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's 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 really important. I think a lot of people when they when they look to hire a co-founder or hire their first employees, the test that they use is called the beer test. Do I want to have a beer with this person? Well, uh, what ends up happening is like you if let's say you are a strong sales personality but don't have strong technical or analytical skills, you end up hiring mm-hmm. someone also who's similar to you with great sales. Hire someone, your first people should be people who complement your skill sets. They should be people who you're great at sales and outgoing and everything else, get someone who's analytical and technical and process oriented. If you're technical, analytical, process oriented, you're more of an introvert, get someone who sells and aggressive that will push you to the next level. But like, it's so important to that disagreement is a key component of decision-making. And I like to say, if you don't have some healthy tension in a marriage, it's not healthy because that means one person is getting everything they want. That's not healthy. If you don't have healthy tension in a startup, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's also not healthy either. They're both really important. Yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of interesting that we're, we're talking about this because if you think about it, that's one of the many, one of the many values of becoming a franchisee because you are, well, a couple of things. You're getting that framework. Uh, you are putting yourself in a position where you are not isolated as an independent business owner which I really think that's really more of the 1% club. Most people don't have that skill set to be a pure entrepreneur, but they do have the skill set to be what I call a entrepreneur and to be part of a system where you get that peer exchange, that connection and collaboration. It's, it's put you in such a stronger position for success, economy scale, risk mitigation, the list goes on and on. So I love what you said, and I'll, I'll just rip off of it for a second, which is, you know, in, in my personal life, the two things that have had the greatest impact on my career are my mentors and my community. And, and that's what franchising could provide. Being able to, to talk to other franchisors who um, have maybe been doing something for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, learn from their mistakes hear what they didn't do right and what they're doing wrong, hear about promotions that have worked and that haven't worked. It, it's a game changer in terms of your ability to like learn fast because you talk about learning fast through your mentorships, mentors Absolutely. through other franchisors in your in your areas. That's one. And then community, just having people that you can go to that are your colleagues and and sympathize with, um, learn, learn from. It's it, it, it just... That's something that great franchise organizations can really, you know, provide that that if you're an individual proprietor, you can't. Yep, I would agree with that. And really, it is a shortcut uh, to business ownership. Like like you said, learn fast. Uh, and when you get to learn fast and receive that shortcut, you also are saving yourself time and money. So I thought you just really brought up some great um, critical decision-making points. And uh, obviously, a hot, hot topic that we've been discussing is community and fran- a, a franchise system is a community but i want to hear from you why else is community so important oh my goodness okay <laughs> I, I i you know the beauty of community is that in times of big lows when things are really hard your community is there more than anything else to support you and to lift you up and to help you so in times of sorrow and then in times of joy, in the wonderful times in, in, in life when business is doing great, when your personal life is doing great, 
you, you can share it with other people. And that's also uplifting to, to make it kind of even better. So it works in there's some things are good when it's good. Some things are good when it's bad. Community is great when it's good, bad, ugly, all scenarios in between. That's one thing. Second thing is, I think, you know, if you think about what community can do for people, it helps you in both a personal and professional life. On a personal side, friendships, the loneliness epidemic that exists in this world, which is very serious. 46% of people regularly feel lonely. 25% of people don't have one trusted confidant. Really disturbing numbers. Community, you know, helps people on the personal levels. And then professionally, the number of companies and CEOs that I know that hire people because of their community, which helps them a lot, that find their first clients because of community, that helps them a lot. To find focus groups of people that they could get um, feedback from as part of a, a new franchisee or small, small medium-sized business owner, that helps them a lot. So it's like community is, is just there for you to um, learn and grow from and hopefully for you to give back too. And when you give back, you're also getting more than anything else. And, you know, the famous thing is, you know, people learn from their teachers, but people learn more from their students and, and community gives opportunities for people to take on leadership roles and give back to, which then ultimately teaches people just as much, if not more. So what is Meetup doing to help uh, people discover and build community? I mean, that's a form of giving back. Oh, absolutely. So I'll give you an example of someone. So, um, is a guy that I met. He lives in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. He, um, his name is Omar Acosta. And I can tell a hundred stories. I won't, don't worry, but I'll just tell you about Omar as an, as an example to your question. But, but Omar was a severe introvert. He used to love rock climbing, but he got crazy into video games. He was playing video games 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. His parents, his brother got nervous about him. It's like, went to Omar. It's like, Omar, you used to love video games. Like, excuse me, you used to love, um, Rock, rock climbing. climbing. Can you go to a rock climbing meetup group? He's like, okay. So he went to a group, good experience. He was nervous to go back. He went back a second time, went back a third time. The third time, the owner of the group was moving to another city and said to Omar, can you take over this group and become the organizer and leader of Dallas Fort Worth rock climbing group? And he's like, wow, I've never led anything in my life. Let's do it. Since then, 10 years, He's had over 900 events and get this, six marriages, it's not even a singles group, have ended up coming out of people meeting, just rock climbing together out of this group. And multiple people have become business partners um, and other and you know other opportunities because of it. So what does Meetup do? Meetup brings people together when there's a common passion or interest. It could be kickball, it could be whatever it could be. And when people are brought together around a common passion then, you know, great opportunities happen. I met with, um, you know, uh, a CEO of a company and he told me he runs a data science education business. He said most of his leads for his business come through Meetup, which is, you know, pretty cool. Another, I'll tell you one more, which is there's a number of Meetup groups, one's in Palo Alto, another one's in Stockholm. There's like dozens of them where entrepreneurs go to the group and it's called Help Me Find My co-founder group and they pitch each other new business ideas and then sometimes they try to help find other people who are interested in like co-founding a company together and and they do that as part of meetup groups too so the goal is like you said connecting support education connections 
That's what we do at Meetup. Yep. Connect, educate, collaborate. <laughs> and, there you go. You said it better. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's just the mission of the Franchise Business Radio Show. So rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so your book is out now, Decide and Conquer. Uh, if someone wanted to purchase that book, how would they go about doing that? You can. Sorry. Not available. <laughs> <laughs> Not available. Make them want it more. Uh, the answer is uh, Old Trusted Amazon has it. Um, most bookstores have it, like Barnes & Noble, actually, uh, has every, has copies in every store as well. And uh, actually, what I love, frankly, the audio version of the book is really good. So you get an Audible, you get a Kindle. And um, and if you're interested in Meetup, then you know download our app on iOS or Android, find a group to go to. Tons of entrepreneurs use Meetup, and uh, we you know we'd love for you to hopefully gain from it. And 95, 99% of what we do is is all free. So you know, just do it. Just do it. That's your first decision right there. Just do ah. it. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for all of the great tips and advice uh, for aspiring entrepreneurs and for leaders that are already in place and business owners. Uh, great thought leadership. Uh, really appreciate you being a guest on the Franchise Business Radio Show. Uh, I do want to go ahead and give a shout out to our listeners um, saying thank you for tuning in. Uh, Franchise Business Radio Show is hosted and powered by Franchise City a better way to buy a franchise. And uh, again, this is Pamela Curry, uh, David Siegel, CEO of Meetup. Great to have you as a guest. Uh, we are going to go ahead and we are going to sign off. Uh, Pamela Curry, host and COO um, of Franchise City and the Franchise Business Radio Show. A uh, better way to invest in a franchise. If you or anyone you know is interested in pursuing franchise business ownership, reach out to us. We want to be that resource for you uh, and we can help you be effective in doing your due diligence in selecting and investing in a franchise that aligns for you. Uh, as always, Franchise Business Radio, a platform for, for bringing together business professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community. Thank you. Thank you again for joining Pamela Curry and her guests for the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com dot com.